This is Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And this is Chris John Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. And you're listening to the official podcast of the first 2011 conference in Vienna, Austria. To find out more, please visit the site at www.first.org. And now we join our interview in progress. This time on the show, I'm lucky enough to be joined by Frank Bridgick and Ian Southam from Schuberg Phyllis. They join me to discuss their upcoming presentation at the first 2011 conference entitled The Road to Hell is Paved with Best Practices. In this presentation, the guys will be talking in a slightly comedic good cop, bad cop style regarding the blindly following of best practices, regardless of whether or not they increase the security or indeed decrease the security of your organization. So I started off by asking the guys for a brief overview of exactly what they're going to be talking about at the upcoming conference. The talk that we are going to do uh, at first is called the, the Road to Hell is Paved with Best Practices. And I'm happy that Ian wanted to join, uh, join me this time because it's actually a conversation between him and me that, that started, laid the foundation for, for the talk. We were discussing some, some security best practices and ended up in a almost violent disagreement. And the end result was that even though something was regarded as a security best practice, we in the end actually both felt that we didn't get very secure by implementing. And so, so our talk tries to uh, to address those best practices with a tinge of, of humor attached to it. Taking your, your abstract as an example, you, you gave the example of kind of using complex passwords as a a possible issue and a, and a possible situation where the best practice can sometimes make you more insecure. Can you can you roughly go through that example? Is that the, the best example to run through? God, there's a lot of examples we could go through. I, the, the whole point of the talk is uh, it was also triggered a little bit by what we often see in our industry is is we have glaring security problems with, uh, with some of our customer systems and they are frequently audited and sometimes even penetration tests are carried out on these systems by people who are just ticking boxes and they're not really looking at security. And a really stupid example is passwords. If, if, you, if you go for a normal user population and you insist that they have a 20-letter password which changes every 12 days, which cannot repeat in every 243 million years or something, then what they will do is they will start writing them down. And you actually decrease your security when you had a well-intentioned, you wanted to actually increase security, but you've actually reduced it. And it's, 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 it happens so often. If you actually approach security as a series of checklists without looking at what are your risks, what are your dangers, who, who wants to attack me, what is my end-user population, how clever is my end-user population, can they remember complex passwords? If, if I make this too horrible for them, am I not in the end just going to force them into doing things like putting sticky notes underneath their uh, keyboards? or whatever because because they can't cope any any other way and that's the basic idea of the password example don't you think that users are going to be sticking their passwords underneath keyboards even if you don't force them to change it uh, um, not as much for instance an, an, another good example is, is if you look at some of the hardening guides that are out there they say that you should uh, make your log directory the files in, in far log you should make them only readable by root and that sounds like a sounds like a good idea, but until you realize that, wait a minute, to do some basic level of troubleshooting, I've now forced people to elevate their privileges to the super user level. You end up in a situation where every well, where four out of five commands that you type 
actually have to be preceded by sudo. At some point, somebody will type sudo make me root and start working as root, which is exactly achieving the opposite. Now, of course, you can still work secure. Of course, you can think up schemes of, of remembering a complex password. But the reality of it is that people are lazy, are looking for the easy way out and will do whatever is easiest for them. And that will be that they use a password like password with a capital P, an exclamation mark at the end, and the number of the month, because that password will always match their complex password policy. So do you see this as an issue where companies simply aren't paying attention to what users need to do in their role? Or is this purely blindly following standards like PCI or SOCs or whatever else comes along that says this is the minimum requirement you need to do to be secure. Is it just mindlessly following those guidelines? Oh, that's a good question. I think in the case of PCI, uh, PCI is about protecting personal data and that one you have to take really quite seriously. SOCs also to a point because that's also about protecting financial data and about audit trails. What we're really talking about here is how can you get the balance right between your users need to do their job, they need to sell stuff or they need to trade stuff or they need to help customers on a, on, a, on a help desk or whatever and also make sure that you can, as a security guy, know that your systems are not open to attack, that if somebody does attack them, you know who did it because that's, that's often the most important point. And it's less, it's less to do, it, it really is about properly understanding your whole risk portfolio and properly understanding what you need to do in order to protect your systems without making decisions which cause you to actually reduce the overall security of your system. Another classic example, of course, is, is if you make passwords horribly secure and people start forgetting them all the time, then what they tend to do is then they start sharing them amongst each other. So you even actually lose your audit trail. So even if one of these people actually does go bad, you won't even actually know which one it was. Or at least from a court of law point of view, you want. And that's very, very important to you in the end when, when things go wrong. PCI DSS and, and standards like that do come into play. The good thing PCI DSS did was put security, make security a business decision, make it, make it a matter of the business. You have to secure your credit card data, otherwise you pay more to process credit cards. But what you have to understand is that if that's the business proposition, the business approach to it will be, how can I achieve those things set out in PCI DSS with as little money as possible? And that's just following it or pretend to following it so that you can tick off the boxes. Yeah, and nobody knows that better than Sony, let's face it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a, that's a prime example, I, I guess, at the moment. Yeah. How do you argue against PCI auditors? I'm picking on PCI a lot, mostly because I know that Martin's you know, my co co presenter in these uh, podcasts is deep into PCI. But I mean, how do you then argue that you're not following best practices, or you shouldn't be following a set best practice when an auditor comes and says you need to change your passwords every 30 days? It needs to be X long. How do you argue that that doesn't fit with the culture of your company or how your workers use the systems? That's, that's one of the hard things to do, and that's because PCI DSS is a very uh, quantitative standard. It says how long your password should be, it says how quickly they should change, it says what you should have in, in nice little items that you can put on a tick list. What it doesn't say is 
what are you trying to achieve? What are your control objectives to, to use the term? I often attack these, these questions and, and, and auditors that, that come to me with the question, what's really the worry that you're trying to address? Is it why are you putting this security policy in place? And the answer, because everybody does it, or because we've always done it this way, is, is the wrong answer. Because that's not a good reason. That's by default, won't help you be more secure. What are the solutions? I mean, it's easy to, to say this is the problem, this is where we're doing things wrong, this is where we're not being as effective as we can be. But what's the real solution other than going back to your business and saying, is this really what we want? Is this really achieving the goals? Is there some kind of perfect solution that we can say, this is what you need to do? Ooh, I wish. No, there isn't. You have to examine every single situation according to the business you're dealing with, according to the the end users you're dealing with, according to the risks you're facing, according to according to the your whole experience with your customer. Though there is there is no way around it. There, there, there is no there is no compliance checklist which will make you safe unless you totally understand what you're dealing with. And it's very very important that people do not use checklists as some sort of placebo, so they can sit back in a chair, say I've ticked all my boxes, I'm now safe. I'm quite sure some executive at Sony did that, and I'm quite sure he's feeling very sorry for himself right now. Also, I think it's important to to look at this and and look at those tick boxes and say, what tick boxes, if ticked, will actually cause me to be less secure instead of more secure? Because every now and then there's just, I mean, we've had cases where it's a certain thing that needs to be in a certain file and... Personally, I don't give a give. I don't care anything if it's if it's either there or not there, but there's some certain standard that says it should be there. If it's not hurting me and if I can avoid a lengthy discussion, I admit I put it there. But if putting that there actually makes my system less secure, I'm willing to fight it. And I think we found quite a number of those those best practices that are arguably making life and making systems less secure. I wonder myself whether or not many CSOs are, are in a position to actually make that judgment call of whether or not a control is going to make themselves more or less secure. I think they're just too used to following the guidelines blindly and not thinking about the final outcome. I think you do need a level, a certain level of, of combination of plain common sense and knowledge of your systems to make that judgment call. And yes, it is easier to just uh, to just follow a list. One of the good things is that uh, I'm working with the Center of Internet Security as well. And these are now discussions that are hitting their mailing list as well as we try to put together, for instance, the CIS baseline for uh, Red Hat Enterprise Linux 6. It's nice that, that they're actually taking uh, taking on board these kind of issues and, and really looking at possible fixes for it or at least writing something into the guidelines that says you need to consider the following points and not just you must do A so that you achieve B. Well, if they said if you achieve B, then, then that would be that would be a great step forward for some, some hardening guides. Some hardening guides just say you must do A, B, C, D and E because it will make you more secure, but not why. I must admit, I've been sitting here in the background as the grumpy old git on the call and thinking to myself, if a CSO isn't willing to actually do this research and understand his own customer, then maybe he's in the wrong job, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's the way I feel sometimes. It's very important that people do do this work, or, or, or else they really will just be ticking boxes and going nowhere. 
Yeah, I think bottom line is you should be able to achieve compliance through being secure. But if you think you can reach security through being compliant with something, you, you are misguided. Thanks for listening to this interview on the official first podcast. You've been listening to Martin McKay from the Network Security Podcast. And Christian Riley from the Eurotrash Security Podcast. You can find out more about the FIRST conference and this podcast at www.first.org. Thank you very much for listening. See you in Vienna. Vienna.